Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, guys, here we go. Oh, by the way, does anyone know what day it is today? I know. Huh? I know. Oh, yeah. Uh Oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. (laughs) Woo-woo! It's hump day. Indeed. Anyone else fired up about that? I mean, just the fact that it's it's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's so Ellie. The camel made it so good. I know. It's so Ellie. It's hump day. That's true. I never knew it was called hump day until the camel commercial. You didn't? Really? No. And then, I mean, I guess I was a kid when the camel commercial came out. I was probably like 10 when that commercial came out. Oh, that's great. Yeah. But- the 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 use of it never said you never heard you it. Were, never heard it you never were ten when the Geico commercial for the camel came out probably that I'll was a newer check. commercial no Has it been it's out? been out for a long time Has it let oh. me see <laughs> I was definitely still in like grade schools are you serious wow. yeah let me that's see a long time when did yeah that? that's a long time ago Jonathan it's been like eight years stop it oh wow. Wait till. Wait Come till. on. Are you going to figure it out right now? When was the Geico? Oh, May of 2013. Okay, so I was a junior in high school when it came that's out. That's still crazy young. That is. Young. I was. The kid was 16. a junior. Ten, that's 10 years old, huh? Yeah, well, 16. So, a little different. He was only six years off. We'll give it to him. Okay, but it was still like. Tw- it's not a new commercial. It's still like 12 years ago, 10 years ago. But it's a Listen, good commercial. 12 years ago for me. Huh? Is like yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> okay? It's like yesterday. That's half my life. I know. <laughs> Leave let me, me have, alone. Let me have my moment. <laughs> Man, I'm, it, he puts things in museums that are for contemporary for me. I know. Wow. <laughs> 2013 and it's ancient? Well, Come on. It's rough. Sorry, guys. So let's continue to break this down a little bit. We're going to find ourselves with enemies constantly. In our life. There's no question about it. We've all faced it before. How would you define an enemy? Like, what sort of a working definition? Is yeah. it just somebody who isn't for me? Well, we got to look at the biblical definition for it, but it's, it's someone who's against you personally or against your faith is how it's used in the scripture. Okay. Those are enemies. That's what they were called. And I think the, the important thing to note here is that sometimes we superimpose upon people that they're an enemy, forgetting the fact what Paul said in Ephesians 6, our battle's not against flesh Mm -hmm. and blood. So I think that's one thing that'll help us from gloating over victories is understanding that people are not the enemy. They might be being used by the enemy powerfully in our life, but they're not ultimately the enemy. And we're getting a lot of feedback here from people or a couple of you are feeding back here going, man, I needed this today. We all need it because when you go out into the marketplace, you're going to find people that are wanting to squash you at every corner. And sometimes it's friendly fire, guys. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's friendly fire. So how do you discern between a healthy victory over enemies and an unhealthy one? We're going to talk about that coming up here. It's like coffee, but for your ears, you're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Look, we're always going to have enemies. The question is, are we going to let them defeat us? I want to ask you a question. You ever gone up against someone in your life, guys, and everything they did was trying to drub you down, Hmm. hold you back. They were against you. They wanted to see you fail. Here's the answer. We've all had that, Hmm. whether knowingly or unknowingly, but sometimes you can see them face to face, and it's tough. I had a guy in Alaska that I worked with at a lumber yard, and I'm training for the Iditarod. I'm 16 years old. In retrospect, I look back and I think, man, this was horrible. But this guy was probably 38, 40 years old, something like that. And he heard that I was training for the Iditarod, and for some reason, he had a beef with me from the jump. One reason probably is because I took 15-minute breaks, not 20-minute breaks, And when I took a lunch, I would take the actual lunch, not fudge it a little bit. When I worked, I worked my booty off. I worked hard. That's just what I thought you did. And I think he got a little bit cranky about that. 
he wasn't the hardest working dude, but sure. he found it. He took it upon himself to do everything he could to tear me down. Ugh, the, the fact that I was skinny, the fact that I was, you know, that I had orange hair. Thank God I didn't have buck teeth then or else that would have been trouble. Those had already gotten squared away now for about three years running. I had had straight teeth. So from 13 on, I was doing pretty good. Oh, man. But he took it upon himself to rip me at every corner. And the biggest thing he started ripping me on was when I trained for the Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race. He'd sit in a break room with 10 guys and say, you think you're actually going to get to know him? He would call me. He would cuss me out. So mean. Unprovoked. No, no, for, this, as an, for an adult to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah right. It's horrible behavior right. no matter what. But well, an adult to a child I, adds another element of just. Yeah. Well, I didn't see uh, myself as a child, but I was 16. Yeah, you were a child. You were a yes. child. You worked really hard. Well, as a kid. Yeah. 16. But I was 16. I, mean, I just got my driver's license, yes, guys. That's a kid. And, and it was tough. Especially around the Iditarod, because going 1,100 miles with the dog team is no small thing. I just need to tell you guys, it's not easy. No. It's a lot of training and a lot of investment. But I mean, every time I started avoiding the break room on my breaks because I couldn't take it. And to be honest with you, it hurt. Sure. It hurt. And I, I told my dad about it one time, and he said... You need to maybe go in and talk to your manager, Denzel Gold, about it. And I said, man, I just, I don't know if I want to do that, Dad. And I, I did go in one time. I talked to Denzel Gold. What a great name, huh? I know yeah. you got Moon Barrett and you got Denzel Gold. How do you remember Moon Barrett? How do you forget not Moon Barrett? Moon Barrett was awesome, man. I love it. You got great manager names. Yeah, and Denzel Gold, he... um. He was skinnier than me and shorter than me, and he didn't have he didn't even that know what to say. He said, "Well, Lee's that way." Oh, that's not yeah. a good answer. So I had to bear up under this thing. But here's what I want you to know, Boom Crew: all of us have enemies. In the workplace, we have people that don't want us to win. We all do. Thankfully, among the team here, we all want each other to win. Amen. But we all have people in workplaces or in families. Yeah. It, it's a horrible thing when you have family members mm. near and far that don't want you to win. Yeah. That's awful. Or in life, neighbors that don't want you to win. It could be an awkward thing. But what if I told you your enemies can launch you? Launch you. And God will reward it. Got a cool passage of scripture coming up that's going to break it down for us. When your enemies become launching agents, not defeating agents in your life, now you got something. That's a good thing. And we got a cool central passage for you. That's all coming up straight ahead. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, I'm going to break this down for you right now because this is really cool. I got a brand new Bible, and I'm fired up about this Bible. I'm getting choked up. How weird is that? I'm getting <laughs> choked up about my Bible. I got this great Bible. It's, by the way, in case you're wondering, it's single column on each side. Mm -hmm. So it's, for me, it's much more readable. And then there's ample margin to write notes in. And I've got a new coloring system, and my coloring system has four colors. I actually need to refer to my chart here to make sure I got it right. Yellow is promise. Okay. Uh, green is practice when God's calling us to practice something. I've got a kind of an orangey red color that is that signifies power. Primarily, I'm going after the power of the Holy Spirit because okay. I've been really drilling down on that lately in my life, last couple of years. And then I've got blue for prayer when we're prompted to pray. So those are my four colorings. And there is a promise that is directly linked to a practice in Psalm 23 that is powerful. Let me just give it to you straight up. There's no, no fanfare here. In verse 5, this is what we... Let me back up to verse 4, because there's a journey here through some tough stuff. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Cambridge Commentary has some great words on this, but it's, it, the essence of it is this. The promise here for David and the promise for us is that we will sometimes, oftentimes, have victories that are very public that our enemies, those that were against us, can see. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of Psalm 112 and Psalm 115, where the psalmist says, and, and God, let my enemies gnash their teeth when they see you come through. Now, mm -hmm. let me go full circle here, because you got to look at the practice that led to this promise. In the first verse, this is the definitive statement by David. The Lord is my shepherd. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. What a declaration. Yeah. I mean, how to start a song. And they, they wrote music to it. The Lord is my shepherd. Boom, 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 boom. And that's the way the song would have been sung. First verse coming out of the chute. The Lord is my shepherd. Declaring who he is and who he is to you. Yeah. And then it, it goes on, I will not be in want, or I shall not want, is what the King James Version mm -hmm. says. What a powerful thing. So here's the struggle. Sometimes we find ourselves just getting pummeled by enemies. And it can wear on you. And it might not be even radically overt. We can't let our enemies keep us from God's calling. We just can't do it. Yeah, you're right. People have been, uh, people have rejected or not pursued promotions because they've been listening to the wrong voices. Yeah. People have, have had God's greater vision for their life throttled because you're listening to the wrong voices. Sometimes it's in your own family, straight up. So I'll give you a hope story coming up minute and a half. Going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Oh, the misery. Everybody wants to be my enemy. Spare the sympathy. Everybody wants to be my enemy. Where'd you get this cut? This is a, a newer pop song called uh, Enemy by Imagine Dragons. I love Imagine it. Dragons Imagine is the name Dragons. of the group. Oh, yeah. It's I missed that favorite. one. It's not on my playlist yet. <laughs> Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons. Well, sometimes, look, let's, get, let's just break it down and get honest here. There's a lot of enemy fire out there. There sure. is. Sometimes the worst is friendly fire. Yes. And I would call Lee, this guy that I was working with in Alaska at a lumber yard when I was 16, 17, 18, training for the Iditarod Trail Race, which is an 1,100-mile dog sled race across Alaska, and I competed in it in 1979. If you're new to the crew, yes, that's a little crazy. Sometimes I look back and go, man, I ran that race when I was 18. <laughs> and I look at 18-year-olds now, and I'm like, I don't know if that kid could make it. Hmm. But it was really between the ears. Absolutely. Listen to me, boom crew. Almost all of God's calling and taking hold of what he has for us, no matter what it is, is fought between the ears. It's a battle in the mind. This guy mocked me, derided me, cussed me out in the most vile ways. He called me uh, girl language in vile ways. Yeah. Now, that was pretty normative. I hate to say it back in the day at a lumber yard in Alaska in 1976. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's the way it rolled. Not this bad, though. This guy was over the top. I got out under the Iditarod, and it, I made it to Nome. Took me 21 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes, and 32 seconds. There were a lot of motivators out there for me. A lot of them were really positive. A dad that told me, I'll see you in Nome when you get there. I've already mm -hmm. bought my ticket. That was huge, yeah. right? Yeah. But another motivator on a couple of stretches, I remember getting into some overflow Overflow is like water on top of ice, mm -hmm. and it can be really deep, and it can be really dangerous because it actually, well, overflow happens more in cold, cold temperatures than even warmer temperatures, and it was bad. I remember slogging through that 
needing to get dried off, making sure I'm not going to get hypothermic. I was just was on a tributary of the Yukon River, and I'm slogging along, and my dogs are discouraged because they're like a couple of them were swimming at times because they were so little. Mm. And I'm like, oh, for crying out loud, this is a mess. I remember stopping on some high snowy patch, getting dried out, and Lee came to my mind. Really? Yeah. Lee's words came to my mind in the break room at the lumberyard. And I got dried off with new vigor. And I went and I gave my dog team, I feel like crying right now, gave my dog team a pep talk. I said, guys, come on, let's get this thing. We can get there. We're going to get to the checkpoint. I'm going to get you some warm grub. We're going to be all right. They knew what warm grub meant. They, they could speak Carl. Made it to Nome, Alaska. Two weeks after the race, I took a little time off. It took me a while to recuperate. I was so sleep deprived. Sure. My body was just ravaged. Went back to work, walked into the break room. Room full of guys. God had set a table before my enemies. And some of you might say, well, you weren't following Jesus then. I wasn't. But isn't it amazing that God used that race for metaphors for the spiritual life, like mm. out the wazoo? Yeah. Don't think God doesn't use things even in your lostness to his glory later. Yeah. Lee walks across the break room, and I thought, oh, here we go. He took his hat off, baseball hat. Sticks out his hand. Hats off to you, Clausen. You're a man. Any guy that can take that dog team to Nome, Alaska, you got it going on in my book. Never again did he bother me. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Man. Hey, I never shared this story before, but I had another friend in that race that had some naysayers around him. My buddy, Mark Couch, one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life. As far as physical toughness, tough dude. 18 years old too. Didn't make it to know. And he told me several years after the Iditarod was over, he says, you know why I didn't make it? I said, why? said, I got talked out of the race at a checkpoint by a guy that was against me and told me that my team couldn't make it. And he said, I started believing it, so I scratched. Mm. That's horrible. So how do you keep that being from being an unhealthy motivation? Because it almost feels worldly. Because there are many people who go through life trying to prove haters, doubters, naysayers wrong. And I, their motivation is... I am going to let them see. Look at me now. You didn't. I, I that is a very common motivation. Yeah, it. I, I think it can be. It, it, obviously, anything can be distorted, right? Right. Uh, the the lie is nothing but the truth with the twist at the end. Uh, I don't think I had. If I if I think back to being on that riverbed coming out of that overflow, I don't think I had an unhealthy motivation. I think I had two voices in my head. One was my dad and one was Lee's, and I had a choice to decide between. Sure. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what that's what drove me forward. If you're living to put it in someone's face, no good. But if you're living to fulfill a calling that God's put on your life to get through the valley of the shadow of death and knowing that there's enemies scoffing the whole way, I think there is a holy satisfaction with having a table set before them. Otherwise, David wouldn't have said it. Sure. So it's a fine line. Yeah, I, I'm just wrestling with that out loud because it. But it's, a, it's an awesome thing. And I'll, I'll take this on the converse. How tragic would it have been if I would have let Lee's voice win out? Mm -hmm. How tragic would have that been? It's hard to continue to move on from those moments where you listen to the voice that makes you give up, that yeah. makes you go apart from where you're supposed to go. And I think, I think at the end of the day, for me, if I go back to the beginning of this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was a young man. My dad was my father figure. He was my father. He was the voice of authority in my life. He was the voice of the shepherd in my life, to be very candid with you. 
And I think now I find myself in situations. You can find yourself in workplaces where it's like, man, I got some guys against me over here. If you got two choices, you can focus on putting in your enemy's face or busting through your calling with the voice of the shepherd. With a sideways look, there's a table set before my enemies without gloating and just saying, it's well with my soul. Yeah, and I think that almost then can become the overflow of what, what God does and not as much the driving motivation. I, th- I would agree with you. I think if it's a driving motivation, it's very unhealthy. No question about it. But there is a weird dynamic that goes on where God can give us the joy of victory in the face of enemies that's not a gloating. Sure. And it's A-OK with God. I don't know what you're up against today, Boom Crew. I don't know who's. And let me be nuanced. Coming up in a minute and a half, I want to be a little bit nuanced here because some people are pursuing a quote. I've got air quotes calling, but it hasn't been confirmed biblically. So let's get after that straight in. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Let's just take that at face value. Is that a wrong motivation for David? Obviously not. Obviously not. So the question is, how how do we stay focused on busting through enemy attack that wants to throttle God's calling on our life? It starts in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is there gloating when there's a table set in the presence of my enemies? It can't be. But is there a satisfaction to know that your Savior has led you through? Absolutely. The one caveat I would put to this that I think is really important is um, that we not just assume that every idea we have is God's calling. Yeah. As a pastor, I've seen a lot of people that have come and told me things like, God wants me to do X. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, it's platform type stuff. Just being real honest with you. Write a book, preach, sing, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Very few people (laughs) come to me as much and say, God's called me to take the kind of the back row here. But no matter what that is, we got to be careful that we're making sure that we have got wise counsel around us that's confirming what our calling is. Yeah. Because we don't want to head off into what we presume to be a calling when it's really not a calling at all. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we can trick ourselves into saying, well, someone telling me that I shouldn't go do something is an enemy who's trying to stop me. Yeah. You know, when we could be the ones deceiving ourselves Boom. into thinking that it is the right thing Best when it's way not. to put it. Best way to put it. Yeah, that's cutting to the chase. Yeah. However, what a joy for David to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. What's it overflowing with? Abundance of love, mercy. Gratitude for the shepherd. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, it's powerful. Powerful stuff. I don't know what you're up against, but I know this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Well, what do you know, man? Looks like the Republicans have a House Speaker. His name is Mike Johnson. Boom Crew, done some intel. This guy's a brother in Christ, and I mean, he's all in with Jesus. He is a cool Dude, he's got a phenomenal testimony. His wife is a Christian counselor. They've got four kids, and uh, what a principled guy. Great dude. He's got a tiger by the tail, though. Speaker of the House up in D.C. Not an easy job. Oh, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be cool to see what, how God uses him. And, you, and what's interesting is I was got, it, got up this morning early, and saw this headline that was breaking news, and I thought, man, Lord, this is, 
unpredictable for me in that I thought that there would be, because you look at what's going on in our nation and you see a lot of, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much craziness going on in college campuses and kids are notoriously crazy. But I was really thinking, I wonder if the Lord's going to allow us to kind of go down this path and just kind of spiral as a nation post-Christian and just go, go, go. And then you see a guy like Mike Johnson. Now, one man doesn't change everything, but he definitely loves the Lord with his whole heart. I've even checked out the church that he attends in Louisiana outside of (laughs) Shreveport. And I went through their staff, and it's multicultural, and they've got, they've just, I even watched some of the messages that the preacher was preaching, and I'm like, all right, man, these guys got their theology lined up. Mm. This is cool. And he, his statement was, some people in Christ are called to be pastors, some music ministers. God called me to uh, take on legal issues. And he's a constitutional attorney, and he's a brilliant guy. You better have your ducks lined up. Sure. But he's, uh, he, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's going to be fun to see what happens there. So congrats to Mike Johnson on that one. And I don't know if you say congrats or sorry, dude. Praying for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hang in there, Mike. Expected to go for a full vote today. Yeah, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. They, they They couldn't afford to be embarrassed yet again. They kept poking themselves in the eye over and over again. And after a while, you go, whoa, we can't do that anymore. But it's interesting to me. It really is. I don't know what's going on in our country. I don't know what's going on in the world exactly. But if we read the book, we can see it. It's everywhere. Well, one of the things that we want to do is try to keep you apprised of what's going on globally. And sometimes it's good to have in a journalist that has great experience abroad. So coming up, you're going to hear from Bill Gertz, who is a national security correspondent for The Washington Times. Yeah. This is good stuff. First heard this guy on Janet Parshall and um, great perspective. I mean, he speaks definitively with regard to things of, of that a lot of people don't know. You know, it's hard to even scrape through the weeds to go, what's really true here? Sure. What's going on? Uh, but let's get after it. We're going to have him with us here in just a little bit. This Big Daddy Weave, heaven changes everything. Do we believe it, guys? Yes. Amen. Amen. Coming up in this hour, we're going to even be talking about enemies. What if I told you your enemies could catapult you into God's calling? Yes. It's a beautiful thing. We'll talk about it coming up. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carling Crew Mornings. You know, one of the toughest things about Israel is that we don't know what we don't know. And this conflict that we see in Israel has a huge global reach. The domino effect is enormous. We don't know what China is going to do with Taiwan. We don't know to what degree Iran has been fully involved. We know it's got its fingerprints on what's going on with the Hamas and with the Hezbollah. But we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes it's good to bring in an expert who knows some stuff. And so we have Bill Gertz joining us right now. He is currently the national security correspondent for the Washington Times. What don't we know, Bill? <laughs> well, I guess we don't know exactly how this is going to end up. Right. But, um, it's clear that the Israelis are preparing to respond to one of the worst terrorist attacks we've seen, a massacre of civilians. And I think that this is time for everyone to look at what needs to be done. I, I wrote a book a number of years ago called I War, War and Peace in the Information Age, and it looked at political Islam and the, the use, uh, what they call the, the red-green alliance, that is the left and the Islamists. And we've seen that emerge since the October 7th attack, a worldwide information operation to basically support what was, uh, again, one of the worst horrendous terrorist attacks in the world. And we saw it emerge on American college campuses, and and people were shocked because for decades it was thought that Israel had one of the most effective kind of information operations to promote its cause and to really highlight the evils of anti-Semitism. And yet we're seeing with this leftist Islamist emergence after that that there is a growing a sense of anti-Semitism and anti-Israeli sentiment around the world. 
I don't want to be cynical, but I want to be pragmatic here. And I want to be hopeful. There's been, I think, now four hostages released. But isn't this just, again, I don't want to be cynical. Isn't this a PR ploy by the Hamas to win some favor, curry some favor out there? Yeah, I think they're playing it. Uh, They know that Israel has vowed to literally destroy Hamas. uh, And so they're making plans to do that. And that's not just in the military sphere. That's going to involve uh, special operations and intelligence work. Uh, The Israelis just formed a special unit to go after the leaders of Hamas, similar to what happened after the 72 Olympics massacre of Israeli athletes in in Munich, where they uh, were very successful in really uh, going after those terrorist leaders. They're going to do the same thing again here. And there's a big international campaign to push back against that. The hostages are a key element in this. There's some 200 hostages some of whom are Americans, I'm told, and that their fate is not in a good shape. And obviously the releases were done with a political motive in mind to try and again stave off this large-scale Israeli military retaliation, which is probably going to happen in the very near future. Uh, Bill Gertz, our guest right now, national security correspondent for The Washington Times. Now, when it comes to how information is being disseminated and reported in regards to the ongoing conflict, you looked at something like uh, the rocket that hit the hospital and the different narratives around responsibility. Uh, How accurate is the information that we are getting as you kind of assess mainstream media in general? Obviously, you can only speak directly for what you're doing, but are we getting accurate information? Uh, No. Again, the uh, liberal left in the United States and the allies in the media really were uh, did a shameful job in reporting on that. It was immediately they accepted uncritically uh, the Hamas claim that it was an errant, that it was an Israeli airstrike that killed 500 people. In reality, it was an Islamic jihad rocket fired from Gaza that went and hit the parking lot. So Instead of 500 people allegedly being killed, there were 50 people killed, and yet very few retractions were made. I think the New York Times finally retracted their story, but uh, I noticed that Associated Press did not. They basically said, oh, we did a visual analysis and uh, we were wrong, but they didn't say that that their story was wrong initially. And it really raises the questions about, again, this whole information warfare era that we're in. You know, the title of my 2016 book was The War and Peace in the Information Age, where information operations really are central to this kind of political warfare that's going on. And uh, you can see it with the Russians, you can see it with China, especially, and also you can see it with the Muslim Brotherhood, which is the political organization that I believe is behind a lot of these uh, pro-terrorist protests that we've seen that uh, rose up after uh, uh, the October 7th massacre. Bill Gertz, Boom Crew, is our guest. Again, national security correspondent for The Washington Times. And Bill, I want to shift gears here just a little bit. Coming up, I want to ask you, what What's going on with regard to Iran? We know that the rumor is that they've got their fingerprints not only on Hamas, but Hezbollah and some of those missiles that have been fired and possible further incursions that we're looking at. And then where does China play in all this? And even the president spoke of a kind of a newly reconstructed axis of evil. What kind of a threat do we have? And then how do we pray? More with Bill Gertz coming up. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. So, Bill, I set the deck here and we want to look beyond and we can't forecast into what we don't know for certain. But based on historical trends and the uh, kind of the axis of evil that uh, President Biden even referred to, and I think he got that one right. I'd like your take on that. What role does Iran have in this? And, and even China, are they going to make a play on Taiwan? Does this open the door for more aggression when we're deployed on two different fronts right now nationally? What do we do with that? Yeah, well, first on Iran, Iran is emerging as a regional power, and it's been appeased. Uh, under the Biden administration, they've adopted an appeasement approach to it, sending money uh, in order to get hostages out. Their whole approach has been appeasement. They are a very serious player. They are backing 
uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and they are backing Hamas as well. Now, there's questions as to whether there is a direct Iranian role in the October 7th massacre. But one thing is clear that Iran is ready to enter. They've threatened Israel, saying that if Israel widens the, their attacks beyond Gaza into Lebanon and against Hezbollah, which is their more direct ally or proxy, if, if you will, there is possibility. And uh, I think this is the reason that the U.S. has moved forces over uh, to the Middle East. We've got aircraft carrier strike groups. There's a report that a ballistic missile submarine, an Ohio-class submarine that's armed with conventional cruise missiles, is also being moved to the eastern Mediterranean. So you get the sense that this is a very uh, volatile situation there in terms of whether or not Iran enters the conflict. If the Israeli forces go into Gaza as expected, they're going to be watching very closely. Uh, Warnings have been sent to Tehran saying do not escalate the conflict. As it relates to China, uh, to me, China is the most dangerous threat on the world stage right now. It's an atheist communist government that is on the march globally. They are promoting Marxism-Leninism with Chinese characteristics. That's their ideology, which is a kind of a a more flexible version of uh, earlier iterations of communism, where the workers were the goal of bringing about an ideal workers' paradise. One of the things that I, I launched was a podcast called Victory Over Communism, where I look at the ideology and offer a Judeo-Christian counterproposal to it, saying that it's up to Christians and uh, people of faith to really push back against these kinds of things. So those are the kinds of things that we should be praying for and and acting for to try and bring about really uh, what are God-centered values, really understanding the nature of God and his, his plan for the universe and for humankind. Okay, Bill, you're talking to uh, some of the greatest people in the United States, our boom crew, our listeners here in the morning show. How do we pray? Come on. How do we pray? Well, we pray for the wisdom uh, from God to understand the problems of the world and to find what God wants. We need to know what does God want for this world. We're beset by immorality, by a lack of faith in so many places. Uh, They're driving God out of the public square, especially in the United States, and we need to bring God back to America. My view is that America was founded on religious freedom. And the mission of America, the blessings of America, are not for America alone. They're for the rest of the world. So God has a mission for America, and we need to pray that America can fulfill that mission. It's a good word. Your most recent book is called Deceiving the Skies. Is that correct? Yes, Deceiving the Sky, Inside Communist China's Drive for Global Supremacy. And it's really an excellent primer on the threat from China and You know, I wrote a book uh, back in 2000, which was called The China Threat, and uh, it really laid out what was going to emerge and what happened. And so this is kind of a follow up to that earlier book. And again, it's really it educates people on the nature of the threat from communist ideology to their military buildup to their intelligence activities, cyber theft, and also their political move to try and really, they really want to take over the world. Under Xi Jinping, the current leader, they are on the march globally, and we really have to wake up to this threat. This causes a lot of people a lot of different emotions. Sure. Right, Allie? Oh, yeah. Is anyone else glad that the tomb is empty and our God is alive and that this is all going to get sorted out one day? Yes. Uh, amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Gertz, good to have an expert in here. Our guest, Bill Gertz, is a national security correspondent for The Washington Times. Go to WashingtonTimes.com, WashingtonTimes.com. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We well, got that right. And opening the word of God gives us huge encouragement, especially when we're facing opposition from our enemies. So we got a great question as we're talking about voices from the enemy. What about the voices that come from within? I think for a lot of people, those are the loudest enemy voices that they hear. Yeah, and I think they can come in a lot of different forms. They can come in, and I'm big on this one only because I know a lot of people battle with this, and I have to some degree. Have you ever had voices that you battle within that came from a reckless word that was spoken 20, 30, for me, 40, 50 years ago? Yeah, so those can rattle around in our head. And then you can't ignore this. 
There's this spiritual war. And you know what? He's an accuser and a deceiver. How does he do this? He rattles around in our mind. Then you've also got another complication. It's like, whoa, am I hearing God's calling or am I, is this, some, is this you know, the pepperoni from last night? What's going on in here? So I think one of the best ways to discern this is to open up the Word of God. And this is what my friend Al Hansen, who's a great mentor to me, says. He says, you know, when you open the Word of God, you can find his will. You know that it's his will that no one would perish. So you can know that you're on good ground to say, man, I want to share the gospel with people. Is that, is that in play for a great goal that you ought to be pursuing? Yeah, absolutely. And is it the will of God that people would grow up in their faith? Absolutely. Is it God's will that the Holy Spirit power would be displayed in and through our lives? Absolutely. But he says this. He said, knowing the will of God isn't that hard, but the way of mm. God seems difficult yeah. sometimes. And, you know, there's no substitute, no matter what you're pursuing, I would say this, if it's selfish gain, that's outside of God's will. Um, you know, God is much more interested in the richness of the soul than the richness of our pocketbook. He's much more interested in climbing ladders that lead to his glory, not our personal glory. For sure, those kind of things are in play. And most people that are listening right now get that. But you might need to pause and go, well, why am I pursuing this thing? Is it really your calling on my life? But I come back to this time and again, there's no substitute for wise counsel. No substitute for wise counsel. You know, we're launching a church in the Northwest Burbs, and it's, we're trying to get in an area where there's not a lot per capita of gospel witness. And the greatest thing that I did to even discern whether or not that was the will of God is I went to a trusted, wise, wise friend who knows me so well. And he spoke into my life some powerful words. I'll never forget that rainy day coming back from the Asbury Revival. And Ajit Christopher, one of my right-hand men, was with me. And it was, it was a holy moment because I'm talking with Robert Lewis on the phone. And he's like reading my mail. Wow. And it was sweet. So I would say that to sort out those voices in your head, if they're accusing spirits that are diminishing you, those are easily dealt with. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get out of here. Yeah. And those come all the time. I mean, come on. Before I come on air, those come to me all the time. On air, they come to me all the time. They come to you, Allie. Absolutely. But with regard to sorting out your ambitions and the kind of the, oh, is this from God or is this from is this me? How do I sort out what's going on in my mind? The Word of God, job one, make sure that you're cracking open the Word. And I believe God is so good that he will point you to where you need to go as you crack open the Word. The book of James sorts out sundry issues. Mm -hmm. Did I say sundry? I don't know where that came from. It will sort out sundry issues for you because it's such a practical book and it's a short book. Maybe you're new to the Bible. You want to go to the book of James Get some wisdom for your life. But then finding someone who's walked with God a long time and probably knows you well enough to read your mail, Mm -hmm. that can be really beneficial. And those enemy voices, you know, I would just add that anything that points you toward kind of a hopelessness or despair is the voice of the enemy. Oh, yeah. Anything that points you to looking to God, to maybe dealing with some issues in your life with the help of the Holy Spirit, that is the voice of conviction. And sometimes we can want to silence conviction because it hurts a little bit when stuff gets exposed. But ignore, call out, rebuke any voice that just points you toward hopelessness. You're nothing. You're a failure. That's a de- those are dead-end voices. There's right nowhere on. to go with it. And that is from the pit of hell. Yeah. Right now, could you pray a prayer of renunciation on that for everyone listening right now? Yeah. Let's go. Lord, we thank you that you tell us who we are, and you are the only voice that we are commanded to listen to. And so I pray that you would silence every voice of the enemy in whatever form it is coming to whoever's listening right now, Lord, whether it's coming through another person, whether it's a voice that's rattling around from their past. Lord, I just pray that you would silence it, that your voice would be so loud and so clear. And thank you that your voice is comforting and there's peace and there's hope, Lord Jesus. So I pray just for the person listening that they would be so easily able to discern. Yeah. And Lord, we just say the Lord rebuke you, Satan, with these voices, the voice of doubt, the voice of fear, the voice of unbelief, the voice of accusation. 
you have no authority in the life of a believer. And so we thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 We love you, Boom Crew. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, one of the things that we talk about around here a lot is prayer. I've been a part of two little mini awakenings. Prayer was at the engine room of this. It's easy to get amnesia with regard to the power of prayer. You can see them work in might as we pray here. And then almost forget that as if it never happened when you get right down the road. So we have an opportunity coming up. Pray Joliet has a, an event, an evening with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. It's going to be a call for freedom. This comes at a, it's a very timely event. Dr. Lutzer, give it to us. It really is. It's on the Protestant Reformation. A number of years ago, we did a documentary that won three Emmys at the Midwest Convention right here in Chicago. I want you to imagine a thousand people, NBC, ABC. Hmm. We were up against eight documentaries, including one on the Chicago Cubs and uh, also violence in Chicago. And we won three Emmys. Wow. And we're going to be showing that documentary. It is indeed a call for freedom. Some of it was filmed in Germany because it's on the Protestant Reformation. So after that is shown, I'm going to have the privilege of talking about the ongoing effects of the Protestant Reformation under Martin Luther. You know, it is so important for us to realize that it's during the time of the Reformation that the idea of freedom of religion was born. You know, when Luther said, my conscience is taken captive by the word of God, and uh, he was standing against a thousand years of church history, that was the seed that birthed freedom of religion. And the ongoing impact of the Reformation continues in many different ways. Dr. Lutzer, for someone listening who may not know what you mean by Protestant Reformation, give us a quick definition. Well, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg. And that began what is known as the Protestant uh, Reformation. It was a protest against the misuse of indulgences. But you know, Allie, that document, many people have heard of that. They haven't heard a single one of those resolutions, of those uh, theses that Martin Luther put up. And we're going to be reading a few at this event. Now, the event that we're talking about is actually the 30th. It isn't the 31st. It's this coming Monday evening at the Mosaic Church. But we're going to be speaking about the time when Protestantism, of course, has grown out of that Reformation. The differences with the Catholic Church continue to this day, though we certainly invite Catholics to this event because we'll be able to answer questions and interact and discuss our differences. But, Allie, most people don't know that today they are influenced by this Reformation and they don't know how. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a great evening. We're going to be showing the documentary, A Call for Freedom, and then I'm going to be speaking briefly and answering questions. I think it's going to be very illuminating for people to understand the impact. More books have been written about Martin Luther than any man who lived except Jesus and Paul. And yet people know little bits and pieces of Luther They don't understand the full impact of what happened later. Pastor Lutzer, one final question I have for you. What role did prayer play in the Reformation and in Luther's life? That's one thing I have never personally studied. Do you know anything about that? You know, Luther actually used the scriptures in prayer. To him, praying meant going over the Ten Commandments. It meant praying the Sermon on the Mount. And there is a story, which I personally have not verified, where he said one time, I have so much work to do that I have to spend three hours in prayer today rather than just two. But the point is that for Luther, prayer happened all the time. There was this sense of dependence. Now, tremendous struggle. I mean, he 
struggled with depression. He went through doubts. It's a fascinating story, and it has implications for today. Boom Cruise, you're listening to this. You're you're probably just whetted your appetite enough to go, boy. I want to get there. Have we got an event for you to be at? It's going to be Monday, October 30th, 630 in the evening, totally free at Mosaic Community Church in Joliet. It's going to be a viewing of this award-winning documentary, followed by a Q&A with Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Just text the word Joliet and we'll get you the details so you can get there. Text Joliet to 312-274-9624. Text Joliet to 312-274-9624. Learning to follow Jesus each and every day. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. God brought you here for a reason this morning. And it could be providential that we're talking about how to love enemies and how to bust through an enemy attack. Enemies weren't foreign to David. Oh my goodness. Even after Saul was uh, died, he still took hits from some of Saul's comrades. He had a guy who was chasing him down with rocks, calling him names, taking him on. It actually discouraged David in a big way. Try to get the citation for that a little bit. It was an amazing story. Vaguely remember it right now. But boy, he was discouraged. As a matter of fact, he went to a river to get some water and get some refreshment. And the text says, and he was discouraged. Mm-hmm. Enemies can kick the snot out of you, man. Yeah. They can kick the snoogies out of you. But I want to encourage you today that if God's put a calling on your life, I want you to go for it. And I want you to bust through enemy fire. I want you to bust through sometimes even friendly fire. It can be tough, man. I think one of the greatest battles that we have are the voices that we can sometimes hear around us or the looks or the glances or whatever that's just kind of like, yeah. Takes the wind out of you. You know what I'm talking about. But if you go to Psalm 23, verse 5, look at what is said. This is so epic. I'm going to back up just a little bit because the battle's real. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is powerful. Why? Because what's being spoken of here, and you look at any commentary on this, and it's that oftentimes the victory that God gives us will be very public. The question is, how do you handle it? Maybe the bigger question is, what's the vehicle to get you there? Now, Scripture interprets Scripture, and you know I'm a big believer in this. Any text out of context is pretext, right? Right. So we got to be careful. But if you back up to the very first verse, you find this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wow. What a statement. That statement is the overriding principle that is the driver for all the rest of Psalm 23. You don't have a table set before my enemies without God being your shepherd. Yeah. And what does Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. The only way to bust through enemy fire, boom crew, hear me right now. And to see a table set before your enemies, a table of victory, is to have the Lord as your shepherd. If you're motivated by How'd you put it earlier? Yeah, I mean, the common motivation of, I, you know, I want my haters to see how good I'm doing, prove the doubters wrong, that can become a, an unhealthy motivation. Yeah, and, and can, it, can it get dicey? Do you think David ever struggled with, by the way, do you think David ever struggled with toggling between, thank you, God, for the victory and the table in front of my enemies, and... God, so good to get my enemies. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course he did. No, let's not sanitize this. He's a human. This is a guy that piddled with a woman he saw on a rooftop. He had failings. By the way, it was actual 
that was actual a physical attack. I mean, this guy did some tough stuff, <laughs> sinful stuff. Cost him dearly, by the way. Cost him a kid. But can we have a great motivation that we're going to honor the Lord, follow the shepherd, walk this narrow path on to the victories when enemies are saying, you can't do it. You think you got this? Eh. You don't deserve that promotion at work. That aspiration that you have to paint that painting, come on. And sometimes the voices are rattling around in our head and they're from Satan. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're from people. Yeah. So how do we bust through? Well, I mean, when you keep before you that the Lord is my shepherd, he's taking care of me, then ultimately it becomes about proving what you know to be true, allowing that to be seen. God, let them see that your way is the best way. Let them see that you are the God who protects and provides. So then it becomes not so much about me, about people seeing how great I'm doing, even when they didn't believe in me. It's about let them see that you are worth following, that your way is best. Yeah, it's right on. There is an enemy. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. But boy, it can look like flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. Because he will work through people. Sometimes outside the family of faith. Sometimes inside the family of faith. Because some people in the family of faith just get it wrong. I do. Have we ever as committed followers of Christ, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, been party to being a naysayer for someone that wants to go for it in a certain area? Sure. We yeah. all have. Absolutely. We all have. I feel prompted with something in my spirit right now. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. You know what your pastor needs sometimes? Just a word of encouragement. Yeah. Just a word. Because let me tell you the, the inside skinny. Don't tell anyone else. Being a pastor, I know there's some blowouts on the side of the freeway. Those guys that have blown it sexually, power mongers, I get all that. But there's thousands that haven't bowed and need a bail, man. And they're out there duking it out. And sometimes they just need a word of encouragement going, hey, doing a good job. I know you're not perfect, but man, you're doing a good job. Because even pastors can hear the voice of the enemy. And it can be a brutal battle. So I don't know what you're up against today. What do people face day to day, Allie? Oh, lots of discouragement, anxiety, financial challenges, health challenges. People saying you can't do it. People saying you can't. Just a general feeling of failure. Those echoing voices from our childhood, from a reckless parent. Oh, so Ooh. often those those are the voices that are loudest. They're the ones that have long gone quiet, but you can't seem to stop hearing it. Long gone quiet, but you can't seem to stop hearing it. That's clippable. I don't know what you're busting through today. But you know what I'm talking about, Super Die? Yeah, we yeah. You can't let the voice of the enemy... Keep you from your calling. You just can't let it happen, man. Yeah. I need a different song than what we got loaded up here. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Young Thunder is going to get the right one. Yeah. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that anyone listening right now who feels like they have been bombarded with enemy voices, enemy taunting, but they know humbly that your calling on their life is real. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will let them soldier on in ways that only you get the glory. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the good shepherd. And I shall not want. Yeah. 
you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. One day when we get through this valley of shadow of death, you're going to have a table there in the presence of my enemies. And when we get to the table, Lord, don't let us gloat. But let us take joy and take heart in the fact that you, you brought us there. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.